This morning, I'm going to begin a series of messages that's going to continue from today through the end of the month of July. And as you know, on July the 4th, we celebrate our freedom. It's Independence Day. And God wants each and every individual here in this room this morning under the sound of my voice that if you've not yet experienced your Independence Day, God wants you to experience your Independence Day. And I'm speaking spiritually here and I'm speaking independence and freedom in your soul. What I'm going to do over the next several weeks is we're going to dig deep into the story of David and Goliath. And not just the story of David and Goliath, which by the way happens to be perhaps my favorite Old Testament story in the Bible. But we're going to look at the conflict that was continual between the Philistines and the nation of Israel. Because the nation of Israel had allowed the Philistines to intimidate them to the point that they, it was keeping them from God's best for their life, from their destiny. And the thing that intimidated the Israelites the most about the Philistines was that the Philistines had these giants, these really big guys. Matter of fact, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they could have cut their trip to the promised land much shorter, but because of fear and because of doubt and because of uncertainty, they were kept from entering into the promised land. You may remember the story, maybe you don't. If you've read it, God sent 12 spies into the promised land to spy out the land. And when those 12 spies came back, 10 of them came back with a negative report. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible said that it was such a report that it struck fear into the hearts of those who heard what they saw when they went into that land. And 10 of those people who went in to spy out the land came back and said that the giants in that land are so big that we are like grasshoppers compared to them. Now, have you ever had any giants like that in your life where you felt like those giants were just so big and you felt like a grasshopper in their sight. It's, it's what we call a grasshopper complex. And some people have a grasshopper complex. But here's the thing, those giants of the Philistines would, would go on to strike terror into the hearts of the nation of Israel for years and would keep them from their destiny. Would attempt to keep them from God's best for their lives. And so here's what I know this morning. I know that just like that there were the giants among the Philistines that held the nation of Israel hostage, that there are some giants in our lives today that if we're not careful are holding us hostage. And there's some giants in our lives that need to fall. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, it's time for some giants in our lives to fall. And over the, next, over the next several weeks, we're going to identify what some of those giants are. We're going to talk about the giant of fear. That's where we're going to start this morning. Then we're going to talk about the giant of rejection next week. All of these from the story of David and Goliath. 
We're also going to look at the giant of comfort. God's people are too comfortable. I've even had a few people tell me that, you know, they're not really looking forward to getting rid of the pews and bringing in the chairs because the chairs are not as comfortable as the pews. Praise God. I believe that God is trying to get us a little uncomfortable. Amen. Not only that, we're going to talk about the giant of anger and then we're going to close out this series talking about the giant of addictions. And listen to me, on that last Sunday of the series, I want you to be here for as many of these Sundays as you can because it's going to be really important. And if you know of anybody, including yourself, that's struggling with any of these giants, that you feel like you're being held hostage, and that word hostage means that you're being held against your will, and not just against your will, but also that a ransom has been demanded in order for you to be set free and delivered. And can I tell you that when Jesus went to the cross, Jesus paid the ransom, and when Jesus went to the cross, the Bible said he crushed the head of the serpent. Jesus has done everything he possibly can to help set you free. Jesus has already defeated every single one of your giants. Now, we've just got to learn to trust him. And that's what we're going to do over these next several months. And I want you on the last Sunday, if you know of anybody in this community, anybody in this county that is struggling with some addictions, you need to get them here on that Sunday because I'm declaring that it's going to be the greatest day of freedom that has ever hit Summerton Church of God. Amen? But today we're going to start talking about not being a hostage to fear. Now listen, fear's got to be a major issue in our lives because when you go and read the word of God, God gives a lot of commands, but nowhere does he command us not to do something as much as he commands us not to fear. Over and over in the word of God, you find the commandment, fear not. Somebody went through the Bible and counted all of them. There are 366 fear nots in the Bible. That's one for every day of the year and one extra one for leap year. God knew that every day of our lives that we were going to need a fear not. I, I was watching a little program last night. I, I like to, uh, when I have the time, and, and, and sometimes I think it's more of a fantasy to me than and a bucket list item to me than it is anything else, but I love the thought of, of long distance hiking. And, and I was watching a little video last night on YouTube about how to prepare for a long distance hike. And the young lady that was teaching the video said something that struck me. She said, what I have learned is that people have to be careful about this. She said, people pack their fears. They pack their fears and they end up packing more than they need because they're afraid I might need this. Anybody ever done that on vacation? <laughs> We did that last year when we took our, our trip to, to Jackson Hole. I didn't really know how to, how to pack for Jackson Hole, Wyoming and for the Grand Tetons and for Yellowstone. So I just pretty much put everything I had, you know, in the biggest suitcase that I could find. And I got it right to the point, you know, where, where, where it weighed just as much as it could weigh. And then I got out there and didn't wear half the stuff that I took with me. I packed my fears. And you know, that's what some folks are doing in life. You are packing your fears. 
and it's weighing you down and it's getting the best of you. But what we are going to do is we're going today, we're going to address this giant of fear or actually the giants in your life that are causing fear. And I believe that God's going to set some people free today from fear in your life. Let's talk about where fear comes from. I think one of the places that fear comes from is fear comes from our conditioning. You know, some of us just grew up in an environment of fear. I mean, from the day that you were born, make sure you hold them tight. Make sure you don't drop them. Make sure they're wrapped up real tight in the blanket. Make sure they don't get too hot. Make sure they don't get too cold. Make sure when they ride that bicycle that they've got their helmet on. I didn't even know what a bicycle helmet was when I was growing up. And the only kind of seatbelt we had was mom and daddy's arm. That when they would slam on the brakes, they'd stick their arm over in front of us to keep us from going through the windshield. But some people grew up in an environment of fear, in an environment of worry. But not only does fear come from our conditioning, it also comes from our concealing. You know, when you're trying to keep something hidden that you don't want anybody to know about you or anything that you've done, when you try to keep that hidden, you fear that it's going to be revealed. That, that's what happened with Adam and Eve. You remember when they ate of the tree that they were commanded not to eat of? And then when God came back in the garden looking for them, where were they at? They were hiding because they were afraid to reveal to God what they had done. And fear can come from concealing. Some of you this morning perhaps are sitting here in this room and you're afraid that the real you is going to get discovered, that the real you is going to come to the surface and people are going to discover not just who you are but what you've done and you're living in a constant fear, a fear of conditioning, fear from concealing. And then thirdly, this is probably where most fear comes from. It comes from the desire to want to control and, and here's what we're trying to control. We're trying to control the outcome of everything. We want to control the outcome of conversations. We want to control the outcome of, of, of circumstances. We, we want to be able to control other people in our lives. And when we feel like we cannot control the outcome, then it causes us to fear, fear that comes from controlling. But today we're going to address I know we have to dig deep. We have to find out where the source is because until we do deal with the root, we'll never get rid of the fruit of fear. And so we've got to get to the root of it. And maybe it's conditioning. Maybe it's concealing. Maybe it's controlling. But whatever it is, Jesus wants to deliver you today from your fears. Paul even said it, and you know the, you know the scripture well, that God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So let's go to this story this morning, beginning in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And this is where we're first introduced to this giant by the name of Goliath. It says, then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath. Now let me just stop right there. Notice how this guy's introduced to us. He is the Philistine champion from Gath. Now, calling him a champion means this guy has a record. This guy has a history. This is not his first rodeo. And as some of you Alabama fans here today, you know what it means to be a champion, right? And us Auburn fans, we know a little bit about what it means to be a champion. But a champion means that you have a record. 
And most of the time, a champion means that you have been challenged, but every one of your challengers have fallen by the wayside. You have defeated, you have overcome, you have experienced victory over everyone who has challenged you. And that's who we're talking about here this morning with Goliath. He was the Philistine champion. He had an undefeated record as a warrior among the Philistines. And then we go on, it says that he came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. And then it says, then Goliath, who was this champion, he was, he was over nine feet tall. Now listen, this is so important right here. Goliath did not start his life nine feet tall. He did not start out as a giant. He started out as an infant. He started out as a baby, just like the rest of us, but he grew to be a giant. He would have never grown to be a giant if the nation of Israel would have dealt with him when they were supposed to deal with him. And how many of you know this morning that you have some giants in your life that look nine feet tall, but they didn't start out nine feet tall? They started out small, but because you've not given the attention to those giants and dealt with those giants the way that you should have, now those giants have been allowed to grow in your life, and those giants now seem unsurmountable. Nine feet tall was Goliath. And then notice it goes on, it says he wore a bronze helmet. His bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. I can't even lift 125 pounds. He's wearing it into battle. This is one bad dude we're talking about. He also wore bronze leg armor. He carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. Just the head of his spear, folks. Weighed 15 pounds. Do you know how strong you've got to be to throw a spear that has a head on it that's 15 pounds and to be accurate with it? That's who we're talking about. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. And then notice what this giant did. He did the same thing your giant does to you. It says that Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I'm the Philistine champion, but you're only servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today, and in doing that, defying their God. And he said, send me a man who will fight me. Now, what do you think the response of the Israelites were? Go one more verse. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. And it was their fear. And it wasn't necessarily a, a spiritual thing as much as it was a mental thing that was going on in their mind, that was going on in their soul, that this giant is so much bigger and meaner and badder than us, and it struck fear and terror in their hearts. And that's what some of you are allowing your giant to do this morning, or your giants to do. You're allowing your giant, it continually comes out and taunts you and causes fear and terror in your heart. And then notice what happens next in verse 16. It said, for 40 days, everybody say, 40 days. You would think after a few days the nation of Israel would get sick of this. 
But it's gone on now for 40 days. Every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of that Israelite army. Have you, anybody here this morning ever felt that way? I know I have. I know what my giants were in my life that I had to slay, that had to go down in my life. And I know that it was continual, that my giants were relentless. Every day, every morning, every night, those giants would come out and they would taunt me. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? What it means to be taunted by a giant in your life? And that's what's happening to these Israelites. But this is where a guy by the name of David comes into the story. And David is back at home out in the pasture taking care of his father's sheep. And his dad calls him in and says, David, I need you to take some supplies down to your brothers on the battlefield. And David gets the supplies. He heads down to the battlefield. And notice what the scripture says here in verse 20. It says that he arrived at the camp, David did, just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. This is hilarious to me. I'm just telling you. It's hilarious to me. They're up early. They get their armor on. They're headed toward the battlefield. And when they head toward the battlefield, this is the Israelites now, they do it with shouts and battle cries. I, I can imagine the conversation. One guy saying, you know what? I've heard enough of this giant. And today's the day. If nobody else does, I'm going after him. I'm just telling you, I'm going after him. And, and I can just hear another guy down the line saying, oh, no, 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 no. I, I'm going to handle it today. I, I'm going to have, I've had enough of his mouth. I've had enough of his mocking. I've had enough of him making fun of us. And, and, and today I, I'm going to do something about it. Man, they're talking a big talk on their way to the battlefield. And this is what David sees. And this is what David hears when he first arrives. And notice that goes on. It said, soon the Israelite and Philistine forces, they stood facing each other, army against army. David then left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with his brothers, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks and then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. And verse 24 says, here we go, here's these talkers. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Oh, they talked a big talk. They acted like they were going to go out there on the battlefield and really do something about it. But as soon as they saw Goliath, what they do, they tucked tail and they ran back to the camp. And you know, if we're not careful, that's an exact description of the church today. That we come together on Sunday morning and we form our battle lines. And we shout and we rejoice and we're like, man, when I get out of here today, the devil's going to know this week he's got a fight on his hand. And as soon as that giant raises his head, what happens? We tuck tail and we run back to our place of safety and security. And that's what's happening here. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. But one person didn't run. And that was David. Matter of fact, when David saw all of them running, he was like, what, what, what in the world? Who, who is this joker over here anyway? And, and, and secondly, why are y'all putting up with this? Why hasn't somebody shut this giant up? Maybe one of his brothers looked at him and said, boy, you got to understand, anybody that goes fights this giant, it's like a suicide mission. So you just need to shut up and make us some cheese sandwiches. 
But David couldn't do that. And David decides if nobody else is going to shut him up, I'll shut him up. Now, can you get a picture of this? How many of you have ever seen a boxing match before? <laughs> seen a boxing match? You know, when these two guys come out to box, you got one in one corner and you got one in the other corner. I tried to picture this. To me, it would be hilarious. In one corner, you've got the Philistine champion from Gath. He's over nine feet tall, which means he's head and shoulders taller than Shaquille O'Neal. He's got on a 125-pound piece of armor. His spear head weighs 15 pounds. And so you've got Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath. You've got him in one corner. And then over here in the other corner, you've got a little five-foot-six red-headed boy with freckles on his face. He's barely got any clothes on. He's got on the clothes of a shepherd. And all he's got is a slingshot and a stone in his hand. Now, can you imagine if you were, if you were watching a boxing match like that, who would your money be on? I think most people's money would probably be on Goliath. But David doesn't back down. And, and look at the passage here in, in verse 34. David tells, tells Saul, he said, listen, if nobody else will fight this giant, put me out there. And he had to persist. He had to keep saying it. I'll take care of this giant. And it says this. He said, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. Now, now let me tell you what's about to happen here. David's about to let the Israelite army know that Goliath ain't the only one with a record. <laughs> Hallelujah. That Goliath's not the only one with a history. That David, this is not David's first rodeo either. This is not David's first fight. And listen to what he said. He said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too because he has defied the armies of the living God. That's the way you talk to your giants. Amen. Now, I don't know if you've seen the movie or not, The Revenant, but in The Revenant, it, it, Leonardo DiCaprio, he has this encounter with a bear. And I don't know if you've seen that in that movie where, where this bear literally about mangles him to death. And, and that's the image I have of a bear encounter. You know that most of the time you don't come out, you don't survive a bear attack. Most of the time you don't, uh, you don't survive the attack of a lion. But David said, man, if somebody comes in, one of them bears or lions comes in and gets one of my daddy's sheep, I chase him down. I grab him by the jaw. I take my club and I pound on that boy's head until he lets that sheep go. See, he's got a record too. He's got a history too. And the scripture tells us in verse 37, he said, The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Let me tell you how giants fall in your life, especially the giant of fear. It falls when you have faith. It falls when you have faith in God. Amen. When you have faith in God and you can speak with this kind of certainty that says that the same God who brought me through in the past is the same God who can help me take down this pagan Philistine, this giant in my life. 
And I love this. It says, so David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath, and David used it to kill him or to make sure he was dead and cut off his head. You see, that's what you got to do with your giant. You got to cut the head of your giant off. That's why I said earlier, we've got to understand in this story, you and I don't represent David. I know we would love to, but we're more like the, we're, we're more like the Israelites. David is a picture of Jesus and what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to destroy every giant that threatens you. And that's why the Bible said that he will come and crush the head of the serpent. He completely, the Bible says this, that he came to destroy the works of the devil. And notice here, it says, David triumphed over him with only a sling and a stone. He ran over, got Goliath's sword, pulled it, and chopped his head off. And do you know what he did next? I know this sounds gross, but he took that head. And for hours, he walks around parading that head. Got all kind of blood dripping out of it. Sinews, muscle hanging out of the bottom of it. And he's walking around parading that head in front of the nation of Israel, in front of the Philistines, and in front of Saul. And I believe that he paraded that head for two reasons. Number one, he wanted the Israelites to know, see, you don't have anything to fear. Nothing to fear. And then I think he wanted the Philistines to know, look here, you don't have the victory. You will not triumph over us. You will not overcome us. He was letting them know by showing that cut off head that God had delivered and God will continue to deliver. So four things I want you to write down this morning. Four things. That's going to help you overcome your fear. Number one, we remind ourselves that God is able. Look at your neighbor and say, God is able. Oh, God is able. And see, the nation of Israel had forgotten that in this moment. They had forgotten that the same God that rolled back the waters of the Red Sea was still able they, they had forgotten that the same God who in the wilderness had given them a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day, that the same God who was able to cause quail to fly into their camps and manna to fall from heaven and water to come out of a rock, they had forgotten just how able God was. And somebody here this morning under the sound of my voice, you need to be reminded of what God has done and that God is still able to do exceeding abundantly and above all that you can ask or imagine. He is able to save to the uttermost. He is able to heal whatever the disease. He is able to set free no matter what kind of bondage and change you might have on you this morning. Oh, be reminded today that God is able. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. God is able. No matter what you're up against, that God is able. And that's what David understood. David understood, yeah, he's nine feet tall. He's twice my size. He's bigger than me, but he ain't bigger than my God. <laughs> and you need to remember that. Your giant may be bigger than you, but he's not bigger than your God. Somebody just give God a good praise right there. He is able. He is able. Here's the second thing. We set the Lord always before us. 
That's what David did. This same David who went against this giant. No, no, notice what he says in Psalm 16 and 8. He said, I have set the Lord always before me. And because he is at my right hand, right hand means a place of value. It means a place of honor. It means an intimate relationship. If you were asked to seat at the right hand of, of the person who invited you, that was, that was a place of importance and value and honor. That meant that you were a really special guest. And notice what David said. He said, I've set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. And he said, because of that, I will not be shaken. You see, you've got to always keep the Lord before you. Because when you keep the Lord before you, when you're focused on him and not on your circumstances, then what you can do is you can then sing and you're not singing because of your circumstances you're singing because of who you see you see God and when you see God in all of his glory in all of his power in all of his splendor you can look uncertainty and fear in the face and you can sing with faith and you can sing with confidence knowing that God is able so we always keep him before us I said that when I talked about peace that peace is a matter of focus you gotta stay focused on the Lord. And when you do, notice what David said, you will not be shaken. And then here's the third thing that we've gotta do. We gotta name what's keeping us up at night. What is it keeping you awake at night? What is it that's striking your heart with fear that's keeping you from a good night's rest? You gotta name it, God. I got a bill due in three days for $965.15. And I don't have the money to pay it. God, I need your help. God, my boss gave George the promotion. And I know that I deserve the promotion more because I worked harder, but he just liked George better than me. And I missed out on a promotion that I've been working hard for. God, I need your help. God, my daughter is dating a young man that I don't trust. God, I need your help. Name what that giant is. God, tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, I have my first chemo treatment for my cancer, and I don't know how it's going to do. God, I need your help. Name that giant. And then remind yourself that the name of Jesus is more powerful than any other name. That the name of Jesus is above every other name. Do you know what that's, that, that's what David did? David said, oh Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. So many are saying God will never rescue him. But you, oh Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. I cried out to the Lord and he answered me from his holy mountain. Look at this. I lay down, he said, and slept, yet I woke up in safety. When is the last time you were able to lay down in peace? and sleep not fearing your giant not listening to the taunting of your giant he said I laid down and slept and I woke up in safety for the Lord was watching over me somebody needs to know today God is watching over you therefore in verse 6 he said I am not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side I'm not afraid of 10,000 Goliaths even though they surround me because God is watching watching over me and God is surrounding me and God is fighting for me. Oh, somebody give God some praise today.
Amen. And then here's the last thing. We fill our mouths with praise. Stop letting your giant rob God of his praise. Because like I said a few moments ago, your giant may be bigger than you, but your giant is not bigger than God. Amen. And go back to what David said there in Psalm 16 and 8. He said, I have set the Lord always before me. And because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. But look at the very next verse. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. Notice he said, because my eyes stayed fixed on the Lord. And I didn't focus on the giant. I didn't focus on the problem. I didn't focus on the circumstances because I focused on Jesus. Now I can sing regardless of my circumstances. I can sing regardless of my situations. I can sing regardless of how big my giant is because I'm not looking at my giant. I'm looking at Jesus. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God. Being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience it for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.